you for joining us for the Help for Wounded Spirits broadcast. We exist to help those wounded and suffering through life's trials. Here is our host and best-selling author, Doug Carriger. Good morning, folks. It's great to be back with you. I certainly hope this finds you well and in the arms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're continuing on uh, with our series live. We recorded it live anyway at Camp Joy, Wisconsin, uh, giving you a little taste of what camp is like. And uh, we're going to go ahead and, and, and do a session right now on depression and uh, make sure you hang with us for that. We'll be right back with you. So I was reading a book one time and the army used to have boxes of books that they would bring on things that I guess people didn't buy or whatever, and you had like oral purchases, autobiography, and, and things like, they were books, I mean, they weren't the top 10 bestsellers from any year in our history. But one time I'm cruising along on oral purchases, autobiography, and, uh, and he's, and I'm going through and I'm listening to everything he did in baseball, but then he stops like after the second season, and he said, this year, is where I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. And he spent an entire chapter talking about what God did in his life mm -hmm. and how it completely changed his baseball career, how baseball was no longer his God, that it was his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, God, the Father, the Holy Son, his Holy Spirit and the Son. And, and, and then it was his family. And then he had put all these other priorities. I remember he put baseball in like seventh position and the list went on and Page was missing. Some knucklehead had pulled that book out and ripped that page out, and you could not buy that book to save your life. They printed them, and whoever like Earl, like all those LA fans bought them, and uh, they were long gone. I remember thinking to myself, man, I'm missing something. Well, the great news about God and uh, uh, is that God's word is 100% sufficient. We're not missing any of His word. Right. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about what depression looks like and. And what it looks like to God. So just a couple things. When we see the word heavy in the Bible, we know that the, the word heavy, heaviness, things like that, uh, Greek and Hebrew words for them, it's depression. So whenever, and, and boy, doesn't it make sense? And people used to say, if you look it up and you start doing some research, uh, some of the people used to say in the old times, I suffer from heaviness. This is, my load is too heavy. And uh, where the word depression came from and, and the entomology of that, it's been around a while too. But for years, Christians used the term heavy. And uh, so you'll see that term used pretty well here. And we'll go ahead and start flipping. It might take a minute. Oh, you know what? That little thing got unplugged. I'm going to have to edit this anyway. I plugged in. I can't even tell anybody how to do it, brother. I, you guys forgive me. Somebody's sitting in the moment. So the computer back here is, a, uh, I think, a 2009 model. Okay, we're missing the little black thummy thing here. Did somebody take like a little black thing? Uh, a receiver, aren't you? It looks like this, brother, I'm sitting right here. Oh, you put her away. It was on the floor, so you gotta watch those things. Uh, I have to watch it. I think we're there now, brother. Okay, thank you. So when we think about uh, depression, I want 
you to think about a couple things as we go through this, that depression is a pretty common thing. There's a lot of people in the Bible who suffer from depression. We'll see that as we go through. We know that David suffered from depression. We know that Abraham and Sarah suffered from depression. We know two New Testament wives. There was a lot of people who suffered from depression. So there's nothing new under the sun or in Scripture when we speak about depression. It's not contemporary. It is contemporary, but it goes all the way back. We're facing it now more than ever. Probably social media, yeah. things like that, uh, really talk about that. Uh, but depression, I mean, it's something we all go through. The righteous cry, and the Lord hear it, and deliver them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh, right next to us, unto them that are of a broken heart, and say as such as be of a contrite spirit. So when I did this, I put five people down, one out of five people, and I'm going to talk about one out of four suffering from depression. One out of five people who suffer from depression will die by a symptom caused by depression. And there's actually a broken heart disease. Have you guys read that lately? I can go out and pull that off. I'll pull that article down for you. But it's actually a mental thing that causes your body to stop working. And so depression is a really big deal. I'll get that tonight and probably put it on my Facebook page or something. But depression is the most common health issue facing Americans. Approximately one out of four people are struggling with depression. I told you we did some research. We made the videos. Pentacle Christian College, along with uh, the campus church, paid for those videos. They were really concerned about the military and college students. And when they told me about their concern for college students, I started digging and going everywhere I could to find out because I'm still blown away at the idea that one out of three college freshmen and sophomores suffer from depression so bad they get medical attention for it. And uh, you would think that would be the time of their lives when things would be really good. Uh, you think when somebody, you know, they're in college, I mean, those should be fun times, great times. And so, and this is what it looks like. So when we come out, angry outbursts, irritability and frustration, even over small matters, loss of interest in those things we love, right? Feelings of sadness, tearfulness, emptiness, or hopelessness, sleep disturbances, including insomnia, sleeping too much, tiredness, fatigue, general lack of energy, making even the small task extra effort. And you can really feel this, some people say that, because... Um, you know, you just don't want to get work done. You just don't want to work on a project you're working on. You push things off. Uh, you just don't feel like you're up to it. It's, it's, you're not going to finish it anyway. You know, all those things we talked about with self-handicapping, they come become very real. So these are twin brothers. There's still All this stuff is intertwined. Have you noticed that? You can go from one to another, characteristic of PTSD, and they're all kind of intertwined together. And, and you can see where they come together. Changes in appetite, often reduced appetite and weight loss, but some people put on weight when they suffer from depression. And uh, so you see the different things, and so we're talking about anxiety is a major part of depression. Depression and anxiety hang out together. Because you're depressed, I'm no good, I can't do this. Well, then you're anxious about what things are going to happen in your life. And, uh, and, and, and folks, and so then there's slow thinking, speaking, or body movements. There's feelings of worthlessness or guilt. And I gotta say that when we think about a feeling of worthlessness, a word for that is shame or guilt. And we talked about false guilt. We're gonna be hitting that this week. Uh, the devil wants us to feel guilty. They want us to fixate on past failures, blaming ourselves for things that aren't even our responsibility. And 
Uh, that's what the devil wants, trouble thinking, concentrating, making decisions, frequent or current thoughts of death, suicidal thoughts, and attempts of suicide. Depression brings on being suicidal. That's why so many people are being treated today. That's why so much of that is going on. Unexplained physical problems. Uh, I've had doctors literally tell me they chased after people with depression and PTSD looking for physical problems for years on end. The VA is literally at a point right now where they've started giving people full body scans just to get it out of the way. So if they go through three or four things and they can't explain why somebody's having terrible back pain or neck pain or something like that, the VA sent people in Greenville to get full body scans for about 10 grand. It saves them a bunch of money. And instead of continuing on with an x-ray here, an x-ray there, a nerve conduction testing, you know, all these different things, because that's what depression can do to you. And, uh, and so uh, here are some things that we know from the Bible. We were talking about that Abraham, childless, hopelessness caused by depression. Joseph, jealous of his siblings who sold him, lied against and imprisoned. But we really don't see that manifested in Joseph's life, do we? We know he's down. And I think I might be a little bit disingenuous here because Joseph is one of the few guys in the Bible that never had any negative things said. He's one of two guys, Daniel and Joseph, right? The only two people in the Bible that never had anything bad said about them. And then Moses leading an outbreak, uh, ungrateful and unruly people caused this depression. Can you imagine being Moses? I mean, this guy had a pretty good gig up until he bailed. He went out and got married, and then he got that spot of white hair. Remember that? It doesn't say it in the Bible, but I saw it on TV. Remember when he came down and his face was like, Amen. It's a Debbie Boyback movie, so it's on a prime. We can watch any time we want now. And then Joe suffering a total loss caused by depression. And, and folks, I don't think I should be hard on Job or Mrs. Job or the, any of the friends of Job. It's hard to go through what the Jobs went through. And uh, I think people are too, what is it, curse God and die. And then if you look at it in Hebrew, he's actually saying something like, bless God and die. I mean, meaning the same thing, though, in a very bad way. Bless God and die. You're, you're, you're running around blessing God, talking about how great he is, trying to bless him, talking about your families, and look where you're at right now. Folks, if that won't cause you depression, when you lose the wife, and you're going to lose the wife when you lose all your kids, your house, all, you're going to lose it, you're going to lose yourself. Uh, you want to talk about being in a bad place. And, uh, and, and, and then we go forward in Jonah. Now, Jonah had the best prayer letter in the history of the Bible. I, I, I believe that. I mean, if you're a missionary, everybody got saved. Hey, folks, we'll be right back with you. Hang with us, and we'll continue on. return shortly. Meanwhile, you're hearing this music while radio stations are identifying themselves and broadcasting advertisements. He's not under some beautiful tree that's a, 
uh, wonderful and things like that. He's under a juniper tree. And then Elijah. Uh, Elijah, now here's a guy who should have had a good gig. Yeah. You know, I mean, Elijah, uh, I mean, God allows him to call down fire, and God said, got your back, Elijah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I wonder why we never see any Tishbites anymore. You know, I mean, Elijah was a Tishbite. There wasn't racist stuff around. But Elijah, he was called by God to go stand in front of a modern-day something would be Saddam Hussein. Mm -hmm. A modern-day something would be Osama bin Laden. And there's Elijah standing toe-to-toe -to -toe with, with a guy like that. And toe-to-toe, uh, -to -toe, he's saying, hey, God said, you know, and, and God wants you to know that you better get right. And if you don't get right, the rain's going to stop, the crops are going to stop growing, the grass is going to grow, the animal's going to die, we're going to run out of water, everything's going to... And Elijah stood there toe-to-toe -to -toe with Ahab. He stood there toe-to-toe -to -toe with Ahab. Ahab was, the, the Bible says that Ahab's father, Amri, was the most wicked king there ever was. There was nobody more wicked than him. Nobody. And then you know what the Bible says about Ahab? He was the most wicked king there ever was. There was nobody more wicked than him. You know what happens in this world? We're playing follow the leader with the wrong leaders. Yeah. I mean, you can look at U.S. presidents with a scale of wickedness, can't yeah. you? Right. And uh, it seems like every, you know, the wickedness is at a new level now. I mean, because we're playing follow the leader with the wrong leader. So Elijah, I mean, here he is. He, he says, let's go up to Mount Carmel. Let's go up there. That's where they had all the altars built. You guys know the story. And the one that was torn down was the one for the true and living God. And here's Elijah, a prophet of God, standing up there and looking at the only altar that matters torn down. And then he sees an, uh, an altar to Dagon, the fish god, and they used to put fish heads and bones and stuff around it. So they would they, they bring honor to him. They had uh, Greek mythology people out there. They had gods of weather to guess who gods would be. And he says, you know that altar that's down the hill and stuff? That's the god I serve. Yeah. But you guys serve Baal. Isn't that right? Yeah, you got an altar to Baal out here. Isn't it Baal? Now, isn't he the god of fire? Well, why don't we do this? Why don't you guys go first, and we'll pray down fire. And the person, don't you love this? And the person who got, your God sends down the fire will know is the true and living God. And these guys are like, we win. We got nailed with God of fire. Man, we got this made. Let's go out there and dance around. They stabbed themselves. It's about the blood, not their blood. Right. You guys remember the rest of the story. Dale's not God. He's, he can't send down fire. Then Elijah shows up and they make everything wet. Anybody who's ever been in the Army National Guard will tell you uh, when stuff's wet, it's hard to start a fire. We flipped a jeep over one time, pouring gas out when I was in the car so we could pour it on the wet logs and light them because we had steaks to cook and nothing was wet. <laughs> Elijah said, I got God. He's going to lick all this stuff up. Put water on there. Put more water. Do whatever you want. You know, get camels over here. Keep bringing water up. I would think, now, if you stop right there, right, in 1 Kings 18, if you stop right there, you think Elijah's the coolest guy who ever lived. If you stop, if you're the type of person, you stop reading the Bible, and you stop right there, you say, man, what a great prophet. There's none better than Elijah. He's laying a course, the widow of Zarephath's son. I mean, cornmeal showing up, oil showing up. Jewish people are getting cornmeal and oil all over the place every year. And they, they run out over there. If you think Elijah's cool. Then you get to 1 Kings 19 and you go, whoa. What happened to old Elijah? Same thing that could happen to any yep. one of us. Don't live on your past successes. Same. 
look at your past through God's eyes. And, and that can really be helpful as you move forward in life. You know, is when you look and say, hey, God, what was I doing right? King Saul, what a knucklehead. Man, you could stop anywhere and read about King Saul. He was a knucklehead trying to kill David. And then he kills himself. He falls on his own sword. And, uh, but you want to talk about a guy, his own sin caused depression. His own sin caused depression. A big guy, good-looking guy, had that armor. It was way too big for David, I think. This guy was chosen. He looked like a, a king. He looked like a guy. But you know what God says? I don't care what you look like. It's never been about looks. It's always been about your heart. Yeah. It's always been a man. And, and David, he's a murderer. He's an adulterer. And yet you can't get out of the book of Psalms without reading about half of them that he wrote or, or 60 friends. And then his son became a pretty bright guy, didn't he? He wasn't real bright. He had all those women hanging around. It's only one. It's all we need here. And, uh, and, and then Jeremiah. Now, if you read Jeremiah and Lamentations, you know, those books can bring you to a bad place. But I always go right to Isaiah after that. And get to the God of Isaiah 53 all through there. And all those things going on in Isaiah, that gets pretty exciting. So when you look at depression, King David, here's a guy. You know, he wrote most of the book of Psalms. There's many reasons David battled depression. Unjust treatment and exile by King Saul. Separation from death of his best friend, Jonathan. Boy, don't the, don't the liberal people want to make Jonathan some kind of gay relationship with yeah, David? Right. They even tried to make a TV show about that and no one watched. They made a show entitled Lucifer. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I was out streaming something one day and they said, oh, great news. Lucifer, all three seasons are available. I'm like, what? Someone would make a TV show named Lucifer? I mean, where are we going as a world today? And, uh, uh, so he had a separation, his own sin, we know that, right, with Bathsheba, and, and then his baby died. And the shame that sin brings us, and let me tell you something, folks, we all have sin that brings us shame, but God hides our sin as far as the east is from the west. Don't be living in the background. What does Philippians say? Remember that one thing? What's the one thing that Paul says? Forgetting the things that you're behind. Press toward the God wants us to keep on pressing. The hardest thing we do with people who your biblical counsel, who you're going through, who you're trying to help is saying, and it's hard for me. That, you know the hardest thing about being a biblical counselor or a pastor or someone in the ministry? Is you have the same inherent sin problems. We just have to pray more. You know, what does the Bible say? Uh, be careful for nothing, everything by prayer and supplication. You ever, you ever look up what that word supplication means? That'll mess you. I asked the pastor one time, I said, what's the difference between prayer and supplication? He said, it's supplication when it's your kid. It's supplication when everything's on the line. Supplication is on your knees, on your face, begging God. And, uh, and, and wow. And, and begging God. Say, God, please. And, and you know what? You know what Paul says? He doesn't say, don't do this when, when your people are knuckleheads and your kids stink and your girlfriend doesn't like you or your boyfriend or whatever. He says, everything. That's, that's always messes me up when I read the book of Philippians. Everything by prayer and supplication. Everything on your knees. Everything begging God. And, uh, and, and, and he goes 
on. His daughter was raped by her half-brother, which started a civil war. One of his sons, Absalom, murdered another son, the rapist. I mean, you're going through this. You know your kids. You love your kids. Imagine having a kid murder another kid. Imagine having a kid rape one of your kids. But in the midst of that, God just fixes everything. Absalom tried to kill David and take over the kingdom. That'll mess you up, won't it? Elijah is a prophet. We know he's sent to deal with uh, Ahab and Jezebel. He deals with Ahab about the drought and goes to the brook uh, Kerith. Some people call it Cherith, but it's Kerith. We'll get this program now that gives you Greek and Hebrew words. And this is what I found out. I run about 35% on pronunciation over what the real Amen. And I copy all the people I've been around. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it messes me out there. Hey, folks, it's been great having you with us. We're going to finish this session up tomorrow. We certainly hope you're having a great week and pray for us. And uh, uh, one week from today, we'll be in the middle of a camp in Bemidji. We'd love to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. At Help for Wounded Spirits, we believe the Bible and place great importance on you having a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior. The Bible delivers a clear and simple message of salvation, outlining how you can begin your personal relationship now. First, recognize that you are a sinner, as all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, understand that there is a cost to our sin, as the wages of sin is death. Third, realize that Jesus alone paid that price. To receive salvation, Simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart that He alone can save you, and He will. If we can help you with your salvation or to direct you to a local church, please do not hesitate to contact us. For additional helpful resources, including our new TV series, more information, or to donate and support this crucial ministry, please visit us at WoundedSpirits.com. May God bless you.